open them up to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. I have a powerful word here. And it's kind of a continuation of what I talked about last week. You'll see why in a moment here. Say fruity. Oh, I like fruitiness. Amen. The fruit of the Holy Ghost. Deuteronomy 5 verse 1. Here we go. And Moses called all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. The Lord did not make this covenant with our fathers, but with us, those who are here today, all of us who are alive. The Lord talked with you face to face in the mountain from the midst of the fire. Say fire. I like that. I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But, I like buts here, showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Verse 16, honor your father and and your mother, and the Lord your God, as, as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long, that it may be well with you in your land, which the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife and shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. These words the Lord spoke to your assembly in the mountain from the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness with a loud voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. Today I want to talk about the Ten Commandments. I was uh, talking to my dad recently, and we were just talking about the church that he goes to and stuff. And he's like, you know, I have not heard a sermon on the Ten Commandments. I said, well, now you're going to. But this flows very nicely with what I talked about last week. So it flows, because I mentioned the Ten Commandments last week. Now, 
the Ten Commandments are still active today, and they are expected to be obeyed. Amen? They have not been done away with under the uh, New Covenant. Okay? They are a part of God's statutes and moral code of conduct for man. Amen? For us as believers. All right? Uh, through faith in Jesus Christ, listen, we are empowered to obey them. All right? Through the work of the Holy Spirit where he came in and what's called he circumcised the heart. He's taken away that enmity that we had between God and man, right? He took away that division, that enmity, and he took out what's called the heart of stone, and he gave us a heart of flesh, amen? In other words, he's talking about a pliable heart, a soft heart. So there are many reasons why Satan, demonic spirits, and the entire kingdom of darkness, why they hate, they hate the Ten Commandments. They hate the Word of God, obviously, in general. But there's a reason why they hate the Ten Commandments. That's why you, you've seen them being taken out of courthouses. Amen? You see that? They've been taken out of the schools and all that. There's a very good reason for it. Go to Galatians 3.24. Galatians 3.24. Let me show you something here. Say Ten Commandments. All right, listen to this. It said, therefore, the law was our tutor or schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. All right, so the law, the word of God says, is our tutor or our schoolmaster that will lead us to Jesus Christ. This is why Satan hates the word of God. This is why he hates the law. This is why he hates the Ten Commandments. Listen, in other words, it reveals our need for the Lord Jesus Christ and our inability to be justified without faith in Christ. You cannot keep the Ten Commandments unless, listen to me, unless your heart has been changed by the Holy Ghost through Jesus Christ. Are you following me? It was meant to reveal, reveal sin. That's why it's a schoolmaster. It's a tutor, okay? God knew that without a heart change through Christ, that they couldn't be fully obeyed, okay? So we needed that heart change, I like to say it this way, to be bent toward God. See, before you come to Christ, you're bent away from Him because of that sin nature. Are you following me? All right, so we need to be bent toward God. We need to be bent toward the kingdom of God. All right, because that original sin in the Garden of Eden—it's a it, this. You don't believe in a generational curse? There's a generational curse right there. Are you, that was the first generational curse, and it was passed on to all mankind. So don't tell me generational curses aren't for real, because that one was the first one that got started and activated. All right. So it reveals our need to receive that new heart by faith, by the finished work of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So we need His righteousness, like I talked about last week. We need His righteousness by faith, so then we can be doers or workers of righteousness that the Word of God talks about. Amen? And we can live in obedience to our Heavenly Father. You guys doing okay out there? Okay. Now... <laughs> Now, I want you to notice it says the law. Say law, law. not laws. If you break one, you broke the whole law. 
Have you ever heard of Ray Comfort? Ray Comfort and Kirk Cameron, The Way of the Master. They teach about witnessing to people by using the Ten Commandments, by using the law. Most people think, well, I'm a good person. And then he comes along and says, well, have you ever told a lie? Well, yeah. Okay, well, you just broke the whole thing right there. Have you ever cheated on someone? Well, yeah, I have. Well, you just broke it right there too. So it shows them. That's why it's a schoolmaster to say, hey, you cannot be saved without faith in Jesus Christ. The law, the word of God is powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces the conscience of people. Have, Have you ever noticed that? That's why when you speak the word of God to an unsaved person, immediately there's offense. That's why when you speak the word to a backslidden Christian, there's offense. It cuts to their conscience. It shines light on their darkness, and they don't like that. Amen? The law is a schoolmaster. The enemy loves when a person thinks they can be saved by works alone. Just recently, I was watching TV, and... and, and, and um, all of a sudden, this, this celebrity, you all would know this celebrity, she has cancer. And she said, she was in an interview, and she said, well, I know where I'm going because I'm a good person. Not one mention of faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I know where I'm going. I'm a good person. The enemy loves that. We know what that tells the enemy? Oh, good. They're going to go straight to hell with me. You know want to know what uh, those kind of works are called? Dead works. Anything outside of faith in Christ is a dead work. It earns you no favor with, with God. Come on, amen? That's why it all begins and ends with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Make no mistake, there is no salvation, no eternal life in heaven without faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why even even First uh, uh, Corinthians thirteen, the love chapter said said you can ha- you can have you, you can get burned, you can give away all your stuff to the poor, and it doesn't mean a hill of beans. It all comes down to your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So the enemy hates the Word of God, which includes the Ten Commandments, because it reveals God's divine order for mankind, His plan for mankind, and, and it leads people to Jesus. Because you cannot, you cannot just be a good person. You need faith in Christ. You need His righteousness. You need that heart transplant. Amen? So the enemy thrives on and he tries to influence people with confusion, with disorder. And and so that's why the enemy says, hey, look, I need to get the word of God out of these public places. I need to get the Ten Commandments out of these schools. I need to get it out of the, out of these public places. Because if not, people are going to start thinking about their eternity. They're going to start thinking about their spiritual condition. And they're, guess what? They're going to end up coming to Christ. That's why the enemy says, it's out of here. We need to keep it out. That's why we're trying to push it back in. Amen? Now, let me give you some reasons of why we should obey the Ten Commandments. All right? Here we go. First of all, because man did not write them. They were not conceived in the mind of man. They were not an idea of Moses. Oh, no. But they were from God himself. In fact, God came down to that mountain. Come on, somebody. His presence filled that mountain with fire. 
and he took two tablets and with the very finger of God, oh, God has a finger. Yes, he does. And he wrote them with his finger. So, number one, they were not the idea of, of man. They're, the, they're God from God himself. Next, the very God, our creator, he wrote them, he, who wrote them, he has proven his deep love for us. We can trust that our heavenly father has our best interest in store. So if he's commanding us to do something, there's a very good reason for it. It's for our safety, it's for our protection, and for the welfare of our eternal life. Amen? Next, his commandments always lead us to freedom and away from bondage. If we fail to obey his commandments, we will be led back into the bondage of sin. It's, it's that simple. We need the blessing of God upon our lives. Amen? Amen? And that is why we should obey the commandments of God. The Word of God says that He will show, listen to this, He will show mercy to those who love Him, who keep His commands. Obedience is a spiritual law. You, listen to this. You're always obeying someone. Even when you're disobeying God, you're obeying someone. You understand that? The enemy, the flesh, and all the, the opposite. But there is wisdom and righteousness in every commandment that God has told us to obey. Now, many people reject the Ten Commandments as outdated. But listen to this. The Holy Spirit said this. Righteousness is never outdated. His righteousness, there is no expiration date on God's righteousness. Amen? It is eternal. Think about this. The heart of God is expressed through his commandments. In Deuteronomy 5.29, God says, Oh, that they had a heart in them to obey my commands, that it might be well with them and their children forever. That's the heart of God. Amen? God's heart is tender toward us. That's why you could call these the tender commandments. Amen. Amen. He loves and cares about us. He is showing us the way to remain in the blessing zone and in his favor on this earth. His motives are absolutely pure toward us, his creation. God desires the best for his children, just like you desire the best for your children. How much more our heavenly father for all of us. Amen. That is the pure, uh, is a pure motive of reaching out to humanity. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He's reaching out to us. That's why every command, every, every part of this word that tells us how to live our life, it's with the pure motive of pure love. Now, your, your spouse might ask you to do something because it benefits them. No, God has pure motives toward you. Amen? God desires the best for his children. Listen to this. We obey God's commands. Listen to this. Oh, this is good. We obey God's commands because we love our children. Oh, listen to me now. Most of you, you just think of God's commands that it's just you. Oh, no, 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 no. You obey God's commands because you love your children too and future generations. Listen, in fact... 
not obeying, having repetitiveness of breaking the commandments of God, listen to me, can generate a generational curse that's passed on to generations. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the reason for the start of a generational curse in the family line. Think about this now. Think about it. When we think of generational curses, we're thinking of, of some, some uncle who was carrying a musket back in 1821. How dare they do what they did back then? But have you ever thought about future generations are affected because of the things that you did? Oh, now that's heavy. We obey the commandments of God, not just for ourselves, but for our children and their future generations in our family line. Now, so if you love your family, you will keep that, this in mind and obey the word of God to protect them from the kingdom of darkness and bless them with your obedience to the word of God. Amen? Now, we've all made mistakes. We get it. Repent, move on. Don't hold on to guilt or condemnation. Amen? Because the fact is, when they become an adult, now it's up to them to break that generational curse upon themselves. But don't think for a minute. Listen, don't, don't just revert back to 1821. Because this is a, a spiritual law. Well, I don't believe in generational curses. Well, you're wrong. There's generational blessings. If there's generational blessings, there's generational cursing. Think about it. Amen? So that's why in a, with a generational curse, it's, it's possible. I mean, you need to, uh, to really pinpoint that thing, and you need to renounce that thing specifically. Amen? All right, because in Christ, I mean, he's taking care of it. But it, again, the blessings of God are not automatic. You've got to take advantage of each one. That's how the enemy takes advantage of us in our ignorance of these things. Are you following me? Listen, so we obey God because it releases a joy and a peace into our life. Isn't joy and peace good? I've experienced the other stuff, and I like joy and peace better. We obey the commandments of God because it proves our love for Him. It's evidence of our love and devotion to Him. Amen? We obey the commandments of God because we will be judged personally, individually, and as a nation. I said, and as a nation. Woe unto us if we don't come against a library that puts pornography in the children and teen sections. We need to stand up. I've said it before and I'll say it again. You want the anointing of God on your life? You want to walk in the power of God for your life? Put yourself in a position to stand in the way of evil and proclaim righteousness. And God says, that's something I want to get involved in. Amen? Now, here we go. The enemy knows all of these reasons are true that I just told you. And that's why he wants the, the Word of God, the Ten Commandments, out of sight. Because what happens when it's out of sight? Out of sight? Out of mind. Come on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Out of sight and out of mind. That, why do you think the Word of God says, keep the Word before you at all time. Keep, keep it on your eye gates. Read the Word because it keeps it in your heart, which means it keeps it in your thought life. Amen? Out of, say, out of sight, out of mind. Thank you, you two. Now, here. <laughs> okay, let's play another game. No, listen. Uh, 
But listen to me. We need to keep the word of God in front of us. You've got to know that's why the enemy is trying to get the word of God out of our schools. That's why he fights. The enemy fights the preaching and the teaching of the word of God because seeds are planted in the hearts of people and it forces them, like I said, to think about God, to think about their life, to think about eternity and to make the needed corrections. I mean, you, you and I know as Christians how easy it is just to get caught up in the daily routine. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will remind you of something or you're doing something that's wrong. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. You're right. Wow, I am really messing up here. Amen. So now let's take a quick look here at the Ten Commandments, each Ten Commandment, each commandment, and why they are so powerful. Why the enemy hates them so much. Let's talk about it here real quick. Keep in mind, the Ten Commandments are commandments and not suggestions. Amen? Just kind of keep that in mind as I get going here. The first commandment is this. You shall have no other gods, small g, no other gods before me, he says. So God is very serious about that commandment. So serious, he said, i got to put that at the top one. You want to know what that means? It means there's always going to be a, a temptation to have other gods before him. Come on, somebody. Every, anything than worshiping the Lord and keeping Him at the center of your heart. Uh, keeping your faith, uh, faith, trust, hope, and allegiance and devotion only to Him. Anything other than that is treason. Say treason. All right? You want to know what that is? Watch our president right now. Come on, somebody. And Democrats. Come on now. Listen. And rhinos. Okay. Well, we got them on both sides. Uh, but... Yeah, yeah, hello, right? It's the same bird. Uh, it's, it's two wings on the same bird many times, right? Listen to this. So anything else is treason in the courts of heaven. Treason, what is it? Here's a definition. Listen to this. Treason is the action of betraying someone or something. It is also defined as the crime of betraying one's country especially by attempting to kill the sovereign or overthrow of the government. Now listen to this. We as Christians are citizens of what? Heaven. When you serve another God by putting your hope, your faith, trust, and devotion in anything or anyone else, you are overthrowing the kingdom of God in your personal life and on this earth. That, my friend, is treason. Because your first devotion, the very first before any earthly kingdom, is the kingdom of God. Amen. So, and that should never happen in the life of a Christian. That should never happen as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a citizen of heaven. Amen. Committing spiritual treason against God and His kingdom will bring a curse into your life. It, I like to say it this way. It will activate a curse. You're putting that spiritual law into motion in the wrong direction. Amen? Now, committing spiritual treason, listen, you're activating that spiritual law in the wrong direction and giving access to the wrong kingdom in your life on this earth. 
Your entire life, listen, should be centered around Jesus. We don't fit Jesus in. We fit other things in around Jesus. Say, Jesus needs to be the center of my life. He is your life. Amen? Listen to this. The second commandment is this. You shall, make, you shall not make for yourselves any carved or graven image, any likeness of anything that's in heaven above in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Here's, here's what it means right here. This is the main part right here. You ready? You shall not bow down to serve them. All right? That is talking about making an idol out of those things. So praying to statues of Mary, praying to dead saints, come on, and other false religions, come on, somebody. It's wrong. It's an absolute violation of the second commandment. How can people not see this? Are you following me? Trying to be nice about it. Go with me to Mark 12. Mark 12. It's like such a, it's right there, just right in your face, but people do it anyways. Mark 12, verse 28. Because God put these in here, again, because he knew the temptation would be to do that. In fact, the children of Israel, when Moses went up to the top of the mountain, Right? They're seeing, they've seen the Red Sea part. They've seen all these miracles. But Moses was taking a little too long up there. So you know what? Hey, let's burn our gold. Let's burn all our jewelry and let's make a calf to worship. Human nature stinks. And God knows it. Amen? Man, it's horrible. Mark 12, 28. Listen to this. Then one of the scribes came. And having heard them reasoning together, perceive... Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. He said they didn't have patience. A lack of patience will cause you to go and serve other gods instead of waiting for God to move. Whoa! That's not even in my notes. That was just dropped right there. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them... Someone need to hear that. Reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them... Well, answering them well, asked him, which of the first command, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him. The first of all, uh, the first of all, the commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You want to know what Jesus is saying right here? He said the Ten Commandments are wrapped up in two. (laughs) Verse 32. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but He. And to love Him with all your heart, with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than the whole more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices now when jesus saw that he answered wisely he said to him you are not far from the kingdom of god but after that no one dared to question him i like that 
Our love walk, and I talked about this last week. I see some new faces, so I'm going to say it one more time. Our love walk as Christians has two parts, okay? Loving God and loving people. You can't have one without the other. They're a package deal. They're a package deal. Those two things cannot be separated if you desire to please God on this earth. How you treat others, in fact, is a reflection of your relationship with your Heavenly Father. All right? Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, selfishness has no, no part to play in the, in the Christian life. Listen to this. The Holy Ghost said this to me. You ready? He said, you gave up your rights to be selfish when you made Jesus the Lord of your life. You forfeited your right to be selfish. We are to treat others the way that we would want to be treated by them. So take good inventory. If you're treating someone horrible and you're saying, man, I sure wouldn't treat myself like that, you better make the change, baby. Amen? Because you know you're not pleasing God if you're doing that. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. You getting anything out of this? Good, you won't make me feel like retiring tomorrow morning when I wake up. Good, I appreciate it. Every, pa- hey, every pastor goes through that. They're like, did I say everything I needed to say, Lord? Did we? Every, every minister does it, don't they? And all the ministers said? Come on, yes. Now, usually I'm pretty good because I'm taking close to an hour on all the sermons, so I'm pretty much cutting it pretty good. Okay, so Matthew 5, 43. <laughs> he said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? Any tax collectors in here? Any IRS people? Okay, great. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect or mature, just as your Father is in heaven is perfect. So Jesus is telling us, that the true God kind of love that we are to walk in on this earth is not based or motivated by actions of others toward us. Whether, however they treat us, it doesn't matter. We are to walk in love. Amen? Okay? So we need to... It's not motivated by the actions of another person toward us, but rather do it even when they don't deserve it. That's how our Heavenly Father operated. Even when we didn't deserve the Savior, He sent His Son, Jesus. Amen? So the world operates that way, right? There has to be something in them before they bless someone, right? Jesus is telling us that we are supposed to be different. We're supposed to be separated from a child of the devil. I've been saying that a lot lately. We need to be different than a child of the devil. Amen? We need to be different uh, from the selfish, evil evil world system. Bless someone. Why? Because we're children of God. 
That is the God kind of love. That is the agape God kind of love in action. Amen? That, in fact, that is the kind of love that softens the hearts of our enemies. Have you ever done that? Someone who's treated you bad and, and you were fighting against them for a while and all that, but all of a sudden you just kind of felt the God kind of love rise up in you. And all of a sudden you started being nice to them. What does that do? It took the intensity level from here down to here now. Think about that. Why? Because the world system operates on you do something for me, I do something for you. The Christian says, I don't care if you hate me or not, I'm going to bless you. And that softens the hearts of enemies. Oh, I love it. Amen? Here we go. The third commandment is this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, taking the Lord's name in vain means this. It means to misuse. It means to disrespect his name, right? Swearing, cussing, represent, misrepresenting him. Pro, and it also means this, professing his, names, his name to others and not living it. Oh, you didn't hear that. Yeah. See, a lot of you just think it just means uh, saying JC and GD. And it goes a lot deeper than that. It means when you're talk, telling people about Christ, but you're living like the devil. Come on, somebody. It means that you're, you're speaking against what the Word of God says, too. What the Word of God says, you're speaking negatively. You're complaining. You're, come on, someone. You're taking the Lord's name in vain. Why? Jesus is the Word. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. John 1, 1. Jesus is the Word. Amen? So if you're disrespecting the Word, you're taking the Lord's name in vain. Oh, I know. I just made some of you accountable, and you're like, why did I come here today? Why did I come here? Listen, so, uh, so we are in covenant with God through Jesus. So what, whatever we say, think, and do is connected to him. Think about that. The fourth commandment is this. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, some of you are like, okay, out of the ten, maybe there's nine now. Because what do you mean Sabbath? Eh, that's Old Testament. Oh, no. Listen to this now. Oh, come on. Put your spiritual seatbelts on. The Sabbath day is a day set aside for rest and worshiping God. A day that's dedicated to Him. Now, many people, many Christians... They stick to Saturday being the Sabbath, all right? But really, it means this. Take a day. Take at least one out of the seven days. I don't know if you know this or not, but some people have to work on Sundays. We got people working in hospitals right now helping people. In fact, I'm working right now. So does that mean I'm sinning because I'm working right now? People get too religious on this stuff. It's saying take one day of rest and worshiping God. Amen? Now, go to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 23. Let's, let's straighten our thinking out about this, this whole Sabbath day thing. Because there's actually some denominations, uh, Seventh-day Adventists, I believe, right? They, I mean, some of these people really get overboard on it. And they say, well, it, you know, if you're not having church on Saturday, you're not even saved. 
Okay? This is how wacky some people get about this. But listen to this. Mark 2, verse 23. Now it happened that day that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he, Jesus, said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread? (gasps) What? Sinners! Which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. Verse 27, And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also the Lord of the Sabbath. The main point you need to take away from this is this. The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. The Pharisees got so religious, so overboard to the point when Jesus was in his earthly ministry, Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath. And they said, you sinner, you're not supposed to heal anyone on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, you hypocrites, you'll help an animal that's stuck in a pit, but I can't heal someone. Get out of here. So many people get super religious about this, but don't do it. Jesus was pointing out that the Sabbath is for the benefit of people and a day of rest. They rest. Even God himself on the seventh day, he created everything on six, right? And on the seventh, what did he do? He rested. Resting is healthy, by the way. You know what? And that just doesn't mean physical labor. It means up here too. That's why it says worship God. You take that day to really focus on Him. Because why? Because thinking on Him brings that mental and emotional rest. Come on. It's not just physical. Amen? Jesus took times of rest in His ministry. Remember that? He took His disciples away. You got to rest. Amen? I don't know if you know this or not, but burnout is a real thing. Anybody ever been burned out before? Yeah, and it's really easy to do in ministry, too, if you've ever been in ministry, right? Because the need is so great, the call is there, and you just want to, yeah, 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 you're thriving off of it, but then you realize, wow, I'm burning the candle at both ends here. It's getting pretty short now. I need to rest. I need to take that, right? Because you're no good for anybody when you're not rested up. All right? So set aside at least one day a week to really rest. Body, soul, and spirit. All right? And to really focus on worshiping the Lord. We should be doing it every day. But you're really, that's the day you're really focusing and dedicating to Him. Amen? Here we go. The fifth commandment is to honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise, with a promise attached to it that both the, are in the Old and New Testaments, that both the Old and New Testaments mention, Okay? That you will live a long life and your days may be long that it may be well with you in the land which your Lord your God has given you. I don't know about you, but I want a blessing. Amen? Here's what I, you, some people need to hear this. Listen to me. 
You may not have the best relationship with your parents, but you're still expected to honor them. If you're supposed to love your enemies... Hello, somebody. If you're expected to love your enemies and people who treat their parents like, you know what? Dirt. Shame on you. Hello, somebody. Some of y'all are treating enemies better than your parents. Think about it. Oh, wow, it's getting quiet in here now. Listen to this. Honor means this. Honor means to respect or to reverence. It means to get, this is what it means. It means to give them weight in your relationship with them and not to take that relationship lightly or disrespectfully. Now, it also means to take heed to the wisdom that they're trying to impart from you. Have you noticed that we can glean wisdom from anybody? You can gain wisdom from a fool of how not to do something. You can get wisdom from anybody. Even in a rocky relationship with a parent. Listen to this. They can still impart wisdom to you. But listen, to be able to to discern that wisdom, to to be able to discern God's voice within their voice, the Holy Ghost said this, you have to honor them. If there's no honor, you won't hear the wisdom in it. Oh, come on, somebody. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, there are many times in life that I will impart wisdom and discernment to a parent or a guardian, depending on the situation, someone over the child. He will, he will uh, impart wisdom and discernment for that parent or guardian to pass on to them. But many times it's rejected and the person rejects that blessing and protection on their life. This is why the promise of a long and blessed life is attached to this commandment. It also promotes divine order in a family. It promotes divine order within a family. Satan and the kingdom of darkness, what do they promote? They promote rebellion against authority. I fight authority and authority always wins. You know that, right? Right? But they're always promoting rebellion, anarchy. All right? I remember when I was younger and we got cable at my house in Emily City. You know what I was plugged into the whole time? MTV. And everything about MTV was rebelling against parents. I mean, they thrived on it. The Beastie Boys and all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, everything was just, you know, rebellion against them. That's the enemy trying to get divine order out of families. That's why sometimes even tragedy, tragedy can happen in a child's life because they didn't heed the voice of God through their parent. And lives can get cut short because of it. This is life or death, guys. This, this one, one commandment has a promise in it attached to it. Long life, blessing, the lo- length of your days. Amen? So y'all better start loving your parents. Amen? Now I only have my dad. My mom died in 2009. So bummer. But, you know, whoever you have, start honoring them. 
Amen? Now, the seventh commandment, I'm almost done here. The seventh commandment is you shall not commit adultery. Stay faithful in your relationships and marriages. Amen? And that also includes staying faithful in your thought life. Because Jesus said it's, it's possible to commit adultery even in your thought life, in your heart. Think about that. Without even committing the physical act. So stay faithful in your thought life and your actions. Amen? The eighth commandment is this. You shall not steal. Hey, if you want something, work for it. Stealing is an injustice and a sin and will bring a curse into your life and into your family. Don't expect God to bless what he calls sin. Amen? Listen, there's no shortcuts in the kingdom of God. Amen? You don't work, you don't eat, the word says. Come on, amen? Always, we always, with the spiritual mindset, we have to... We have to stay in a spiritual mindset. Don't allow that junk of the world to creep in. The world will tell you to take that shortcut and steal that thing. Some things are stealing and you don't even think they are. Why? Because they're culturally accepted. Think about it now. Amen? The ninth, uh, the ninth commandment is, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The key is this. False witness. Don't lie. Don't be a liar. It will bring a curse into your life. And this means to, it means this. Are you ready? It means to knowingly state a fact about, state something as fact about to someone or about someone. And you know it's a lie. You're trying to murder their character. A, A long time ago, I had this pastor who came to one of my services and in the next day, he, he, he gets on video and he starts telling his congregation, well, James said something about faith that I didn't agree with. So I, I confronted him and I'm like, wait a minute, what did I say about faith I didn't agree with? He goes, nothing. I said, well, you're bearing false witness. Well, he was just trying to trash me to the community, uh, try to make me look bad. It's called jealousy. Don't sugarcoat a turd. That's false witness right there. No, this is fa- that's false witness. He's trying to slay my character to the community. Amen? Love them anyways. Amen? So, now, the 10th commandment, the 10th and the final commandment, is you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything... That is your neighbor's. You want to know what this is really talking about? Jealousy. It's talking about jealousy. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me about the 10th commandment. He said, this was added so that desire, desire, say desire, would not be used for evil purposes. Because desire or misdirected desire is so powerful, it will lead to corresponding actions and lead you into sin. The Holy Spirit then brought a passage to me. Go to James chapter 1 real quick here. James chapter 1. All right, here we go. James chapter 1, 13. 
Let no one say he is tempted uh, when he is tempted. I am tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his, there it is, by his own what? Desires and enticed. Then when the desire has conceived in the heart, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brethren. Okay? Now, so, wrong desires or lust. The word lust means a strong desire for something. All right? Wrong, de- strong desires will manifest sinful actions. And that's why the Word of God always tells us, control your thought life. That's why the Tenth Commandment is in there. Don't be jealous. Don't covet. Don't lust. Because it's going to cause you to do something out of character. And lead you into sin. That's why you don't, co- you don't compare yourself to anybody else. Comparing yourself to someone else is foolishness. Especially when you're talking about a calling on your life or their life. How dumb is that? We're all different. We're a body. We have different... What if my liver right now... What if my liver started having an argument with the gallbladder? I want to be the liver. I want to be the gallbladder. Doggone it, just work. Do your job. Just do your job. Amen. So when your desire, yeah, a little weird, but you know, that's, that's me. But it, you get the point. When your desires or thought life creeps into that covet or jealousy zone, you are conceiving or giving place to sin, uh, for sin to be manifested in your heart. And eventually it will lead to actions. And uh, my last passage is Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Hallelujah. Say the Ten Commandments. Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Matthew 5, 17 through 20. It says, do not think, Jesus said this, do not think that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle, will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is interesting. Whoever does these commandments or lives in obedience to the word of God and teaches others to do so, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Did you catch that? Now listen to this. Exceeding the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You want to know what Jesus is talking about? It's talking about don't just teach it, live it. Do both. Paul said, I need to do what I'm preaching uh, or I'm going to be a castaway. All right? Jesus is telling us to not just teach it, but to live it. Here's why. Because he knew in human nature that it's easier to teach it than live it. Oh, come on, somebody. 
It's easier to yell at someone else. It's easier to take the plank out of someone else's eye than out of your own. Amen? We are commanded to teach it and we're commanded to live it. Amen? He's saying this, don't be a hypocrite. Now listen to this. You know what a hypocrite means? It means you're being an actor. Say actor. All right? Don't just teach others to do it with that high bar, but be an example to live it in your own life. Church, it's so important to keep the Word of God hidden in our heart. It's so important to think about the Word of God and be a doer of the Word of God. So as you can see, the Ten Commandments are a powerful revelation of the desire and heart of God toward us. He, he still expects us to live and, and function in those Ten Commandments in our life. The Ten Commandments are indeed still active. Amen? And now in Christ, we are able to live that life of obedience to God that it's pleasing to Him because of that heart transplant. Aren't you glad for that heart transplant? He has given us a new, a tender heart. So we must maintain that tender heart toward Him, His Word, and His people. Let's stand up in this place. Thank you, Lord. Prayer team, come on forward. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank You for the tender commandments because Your heart is tender toward us. You've done everything you could do to reach out to mankind, to say, this is the way. Do this. This is the way you need to go. Receive my son Jesus. This is the way to live, to stay away from the curse. Come on, somebody. If there's anybody in this place you never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, You need to do it today. Do not leave this place without making Him Lord of your life. If that's you, I want you to come forward. Just pray with one of the prayer team members and get born again. Make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. It'll be the best thing you've ever done for eternity. Maybe there's someone in here, you're backslidden, you've fallen away. You realized in this message today, oh, wow, wow. The Holy Spirit pointed out some areas of my life that I really need to tweak. If that's you and you want to rededicate your life, you need prayer for some of those things, come forward this morning. Don't be embarrassed. Um, If you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, come on down. You've never spoken in tongues and you receive the Holy Spirit baptism, come on down. Amen. We want to help with that as well because it is a Bible thing, not a living waters thing. Amen. If you need prayer for healing or a family member, anything else, we'll stay as long as we need. But uh, visitors, thank you so much for coming. We hope you enjoyed it. Come on back. The Holy Spirit is building an awesome family here. Amen? Amen. And we're going to continue to grow, and we're going to see some awesome and mighty things. So God bless you all. Have a great week. We love you all. If you need me, you know where to find me. We're going to go back to the back here so and shake some